WrestlePlug 444 Life. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to hashtag get plugged in. The refreshing, empowering moment that we have all wanted from WWE. It's like ordering a, a medium pizza and then turning up with an extra large and a bottle of Coke. You absolute moldy cheese fucking baby bell dairy lead dunker shit. What happens is these fucking people live in this fantasy land. Everyone got their shit in. Everyone got each other over. Everyone looked good and made the industry look great. People need to fucking back the fuck off Ronda Rousey. New to oh. wrestling talent. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to the WrestleBlog podcast. Your last bastion of hope in a world full of lies, misery, pandemic, and podcasts. We are here to offer you honest and blisteringly hot takes, at least for now. If you came here looking for a podcast that will be nice and kind and love everything that ever happens in the squared circle, well, no, wrong place. However, if you're looking for something honest, true, real, this is the place to be, and I welcome you with open arms to the WrestlePlug family. I am your host, Aaron Nix, the harbinger of professional wrestling, the doctor of all forms of love, and the most unpopular podcasting host in all of British wrestling podcasting. This is not the state of wrestling address, ladies and gentlemen. This is a impromptu Raw review because, well, I'm bored. <laughs> so I thought, fuck it, let's review Raw. And Raw is really good. And why not? I mean, it was the premiere edition, the season premiere of Raw on the USA Network. Um, I don't know what a season premiere is at this point. I swear they just rolled them out whenever they choose. You know, they call it a season premiere, but uh, whatever. It is what it is. The first proper Raw since the draft, I think, is kind of what they're going for. Um, you know who I am. You may know who my co-host is as well. If you don't at this point, well... You're obviously not paying attention. Uh, my co-host is, of course, Canada's favourite cleaner. Twice the mic skills of Kenny Omega. Half the insulin. The Maple Leaf magician. The Duke of Diabetes. The Oscar-worthy Ontarian that is Kyle Wilkinson. Welcome back to the Resident brother. The Maple Syrup Magician. If I ever become a professional wrestler, that is Maple Leaf. my name. Maple Leaf. Maple Leaf, Maple Syrup. Doesn't matter. I'm it just talking about the Canada. One is the source and one is the production of said sauce. Not that sauce. Ketchup sauce. Sauce. Lots of sauce. Ooh, saucy. Anyway, WWE <laughs> Raw. Um, where do you start with it? It's got to be the theme, doesn't it? So, um, Retribution and the Hurt Business continue their maniacal assaults on each other. Um, we got a match, actually, as well, which was really cool. But first, we got The Fiend coming out with Alexa Bliss and then teleporting away, which was quite amusing. <laughs> no idea why, but it works for me, uh, particularly with Alexa Bliss looking all hot and Freddy Kruegerish. Um, very reminiscent of the Halloween costume that she wore a few years back. Do you remember when she did the Freddy Krueger cosplay for a photo shoot? I'm, um, I'm it's actually sure. impossible to forget. <laughs> I know, right? Like you would have to be, well, frankly, stupid. Um, but yeah, the fiend uh, gets involved, interjects himself with that. I, I, do you know what? It's so funny when you put something really good into something that you shouldn't like. It's hard to dislike it because. I love the retribution angle now that Stafford leaves at the helm of it because he's my favorite wrestler and you know personal feelings all aside, obviously being mixed race and you know Middle Eastern descent and all that kind of stuff. He's just an amazing athlete and he deserves a lot more from what he's getting. Um, 
you know, that alone is enough for me to pay attention to retribution. I actually really like the Hurt Business. They've grown on me a lot. And then, of course, on the flip side of things, The Fiend, you know, especially with Alexa Bliss now in tow, you know, he... I would argue that other than Mustafa Ali, The Fiend is most definitely my favourite wrestler. He's my favourite character. I find him intriguing. He is much must-watch, regardless of what he does. So him interjecting himself in this actually was kind it was kind of like two evils coming together to make one beautiful great good segment and you know although i'm not happy about retribution kind of getting shit down first of all they lose to the hurt business not sure what's going on there you know if you want to send a message that matches aren't important and chaos is that's fine but have them cause more chaos instead of having a little whinge backstage um they come across as you know, the bitches in this whole segment. But that being said, the way they did the Fiend bit, where he appears next to Mustafa Ali on the apron, like he's one of their tag partners, was fucking TV gold. And I like the chaotic feeling of the beginning of Raw, just like, what the fuck's going on? The Hurt Business is here. And, you know, and they're kicking the shit out of Retribution are going to jump the Fiend. Then he's disappeared. Then he's back again. And he's kicking the shit out of everyone. The one good thing about everything here was that, you know, you felt coming away from it. The Fiend is so deadly, so dangerous. Obviously, the addition of Alexa Bliss is utterly phenomenal in every sense. Um, but the Hurt Business looked like a legitimate, strong faction. Great to see, particularly as they are all black. Spoiler alert. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure you might have noticed. And I think that's really good because for so long there has been a marginalization of African-Americans. And although they're not at the very, very top of the card, they seem to be the most prominent group in WWE, I would argue, especially on Raw at least. And I think that's really good because, you know, I'm one of these people who pushes for equality. And it's not a case of, oh, I want her business on the screen just because they're black. It's because they're black, but they're also incredibly talented. I think that's very important. And I think that incredibly talented black athletes should get the same rubber to green when it comes to storylines. And I think Bobby Lashley so underappreciated. Some of the work he did with uh, Donovan Dijak, uh, T-Bar, is it? I think it's T-Bar. Um, you know, some of the stuff they did in the ring was amazing. You know, he's such an athlete. And because he's not the strongest might worker in the world which he doesn't need to be with MVP next to him. I feel like he gets a really bad rub of things. And I think that the company doesn't really know what to do with Bobby Lashley. And you've got to believe if Bobby Lashley was white, well, I, I don't want to be that guy, but if he was white, you've got to believe he would have been WWE champion by now. Because look at Bobby Lashley, look at Brock Lesnar. There's not a great deal of discernible difference in terms of talent when both of them go you know, full blast. Braun Strowman's hovering around as this big meaty white bastard. Um, but, you know, you can't really complain. On the men's side of things, at least, I feel like uh, it's, you know, it was a really strong show for diversity in WWE. Because not only that, obviously, we had Keith Lee, the New Day, some really prominent parts of this show had a great deal of diversity and quality across the board. And not to mention a lot of humor as well. But, yeah, at the top of the card is the fiend in that. Um, I, I, I imagine you took umbrage with Retribution losing, but overall, you must have enjoyed this segment as much as I did. I very much did. I mean, I think, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious. The Fiend has been the best part of WWE programming since he mm. debuted. He's just been absolutely incredible. So having him on Raw, having Alexa Bliss with him, looking all sorts of ways like. <laughs> 
the first is real. And it's I'm trying acceptable. to be polite here, but holy shit, she's yeah. such a beautiful woman. It's unreal. But yeah, I didn't like Retribution losing. Like it was their first. Isn't it their first actual? "Quote unquote match." Have they had a uh, second this? one? Remember, they fought the hurt business before uh, a three-on-three match, and then I think it got interrupted, or I think they may have won, and then everything broke down. It was a three-on-three match. Uh, it was the first time we got to find out the names of the individuals. Oh, okay, yes, I remember. This uh, is so this is only their second match, I believe, <laughs> and you know they've already they're already one and one. Yeah, not a, not the best, but at the same time, they're still sharing the, the ring, sharing the spotlight with the feed. And that's uh that's something special. I I'm I'm hoping that you know Vince sees a lot in retribution, especially with Mustafa Ali as a leader. I know the promo backstage it wasn't it, I mean yeah it was pretty whiny, it was pretty whingy. But A, I saw oh, liked it. Ali's deliverance was yeah. fantastic. They did exactly what I wanted them to do with him referencing the hacker storyline on SmackDown. Mm. Um, I think just the whole mood of it was really, really good. I really enjoyed it. Sure, they lost, but again, rubbing shoulders with The Fiend. Um, no, it's actually really cool that they've got such a predominant spot on the card right now, especially, you know, just after the draft. This is the time where, you know, new stars need to be made because you've made the choice to send them to red or blue. So this is the perfect time to do it. I think Raw is maybe there are two draft picks that I'll mention as I go that I think would have really put Raw to a point where I would have been just sold in on it that I would have almost forgotten about SmackDown. But it's hard to do that when Roman Reigns and Joe's are killing it on the blue band. And of course, um, Daniel Bryan hooking up with Seth Rollins is a very exciting rivalry as well. Uh, we'll obviously talk about that on the State of Wrestling Address as well. But we're going to stick with Raw for this podcast. Um, I was not prepared for such a massive debut on this show. And it came in the form of one of uh, AAA and CMLL's greatest luchador prospects, uh, El Brangordo, um, who I have not, you know, I've never seen this man before. An astonishing uh, physique, incredible passion, and he ended up being Tucky's surprise tag partner uh, against Miz and Morrison. Um, what did you think of the debut of El Gran Gordo? Very Los Conquistador-esque in so many ways. See, si, Tucky. Um, I mean, I can't, I couldn't agree with uh, Tucky more when he said uh, this is a, a future Rey Mysterio. Um, it was just, it, it, it's amazing. I, I love me some luchador stuff. I always have, and this was just, this was peak luchador. I don't think, I mean, come on, man. He kept the cape on the entire time. Everyone always, you know, likes to disrobe. No, mm. not this guy. Fucking cape 24-7. Yeah, very Superman-esque, actually. You know, Superman's the only other guy I know who, you know, maybe Black Adam as well, you know, but, you know, Superman being the premier hero that always wears the cape. Um, they say not all heroes wear capes, but El Gran Gordo is certainly my hero, and he wears a cape. Um, I love this whole thing. I thought it was very funny, very amusing. Uh, I think The Miz was absolutely on fire on the microphone again. And we got back to a point. I feel like we've lost our way a little bit with The Miz in terms of his mic work because he has become, he's kind of transitioned, not completely away from wrestling, but obviously there's Miz and Mrs., which is very popular, which I'm very happy for him for because obviously his family deserves not only a great spotlight, his, you know, he's got beautiful children. He's got an absolutely redonkulous wife who's very talented in her own right, a great businesswoman. Um, 
you know, the Miz has realised that there is more to life than just being a wrestler. But that being said, when he gets on the microphone, when he has a bee in his bonnet, when you feel like he's semi-shooting, whether he is or not, you believe it. You believe that he believes – he believes everything he says. You can just tell that. And the way he was lighting up this poor luchador who, you know, at the end of the day, mate, Otis isn't there. Grand Gordo is. So I don't know why he'd given it all in to him. But the line that really got me and made me stack it a little bit was when he said, <clears throat> you don't look like a luchador. You look like somebody who ate lucha house pie. <laughs> Yeah, was, that, um, uh, that, that one part of me a bit, because how could yeah, it not? Tremendous. And also, like, the fact that Grand Gordo in one appearance has completely buried, like, Lucha House Party's credibility. <laughs> Nobody cares anymore about Lucha House Party. Bye. Um, wait, wait, wait was, hold on. People people cared about Lucha House Party? Did, did that happen? I mean, oh, come on, give, give him credit. What about Lindsay Dorado doing that shooting star at the Elimination Chamber? That was pretty sick. Like, you know, he's... You know, there is there is some stuff there. I mean, we don't care about the characters, but the wrestlers are fantastic and they work hard. So I won't bury him too much because, you know, they always had a very low ceiling, which is ironic, really, because, you know, then say Dorado was swinging from that low ceiling in the Elimination Chamber. Um, but I enjoyed it. I did enjoy it. I do think that uh, Miz and Morrison, I, I am getting a little bit bored of this, you know, kayfabe shatter uh, moment here, but I am getting bored of this whole, I'm going to sue you for the money in the bank gimmick. I think that's dumb. Like, it's really cheap heel heat. And I feel like The Miz is better than that as well. And I feel like he can deliver something far more credible than that. And I do worry that this is going to lead to Otis losing his money in the bank contract. And, you know, that bothers me to a certain extent. But one of the really big things I picked up on the draft was, and, you know, like you said as well, the lack of care for the tag team division. So it was quite thrilling to know that Tucky was able to bring back a partner, you know, like him. And I quite like the idea going forward of, you know, Otis tipping up in different cosplays every week. Like, I want him to come out as like fake Kane number three next week or something. Wait, wait, be... that, that was Otis? I don't believe you. No, I mean, you know, it, it's up in the air because the body type I mean, the is so different. Was... I, like yeah, that that's what I'm saying. I just I didn't yeah. I didn't see it in his in the body. You know, this yeah. guy was just must have been like you know five foot nothing, weighed a hundred pounds, what, soaking wet. If Grand Gordo had turned up in Lucha Underground, I wouldn't have batted an eyelid. I would have had a great time. I would have loved him. So you know, it's, it is what it is. Um, but it you know, it's one of those things where it's funny for the meantime, and I'll just enjoy it in the moment as opposed to dissecting it too much. I just hope that they're going to take the money in the bank run seriously with Otis. I don't want it to just be. Oh, he's a comedy guy. Oh, he's funny. Oh, and then like, because you could just, it feels like eventually they're going to be like, yeah, there goes your girlfriend, right? Get Mandy Rose away from him. Get his partner away from him. You know, watch everything collapse and then probably just lose the money in the bank, you know, when he does cash in. Or even worse, he won't even get an opportunity to cash in, which would just be really sad. So, um, fun stuff, to be fair, at least. So we also got a fleeting appearance of my favorite triple threat in all of wrestling, uh, Akira Tozawa, Drew Gulak, and R-Truth, who decided to interject themselves during this match and just run across. And the Miz is like, what the hell are you doing? It's <laughs> just very funny how the Miz always sells things so well. He's got one of the best incredulous looks I've ever seen from a wrestler. It's just so good. So uh, if anything, the only thing that really I took away from this, which was a bit of a negative, is that Morrison feels like a massive afterthought at the moment. It's kind of like Miz's very good-looking wingman, isn't he? But he's not really doing anything. You know, he can still go in the ring. He's a decent mic worker when he does get on the mic, but... A lot of this stuff is very kind of cheesy and tacky. And if they're not going to be running around the tag team division, dealing with the New Day or whatever, then 
I'd, I'd rather set Morrison loose a little bit, maybe let him loose on Jeff Hardy and get some, like, you know, some icy title bangers in there and maybe move towards Morrison being your mid-card champion. So I feel like... Oh, I remember some of the matches but... they had in, uh, with Morrison's first run. They yeah, had some exactly. incredible matches together. So, I saw one live, I mean, you know, I got to see him oh, in a match, yeah, which was fucking incredible. Like, you know, these are two guys who could, you know, not only would it reinvigorate Jeff Hardy, you know, who's obviously in the latter days of his career, particularly as a high flyer, you've got to think that eventually, you know, the body's going to start seizing up rapidly with these things, um, even though he made an appearance as a guitarist. <laughs> Very strange. Well, but. He, I mean, he's he's in a band. Like, I'm pretty sure he still yeah. has like his oh, yeah. band and stuff. Would, so. would not surprise me if he was actually playing. Like, he's he's yeah, you know, absolutely. He's that that's kind of thinking. guy. Like, you know, I, that segment was fine. It is what it is. They're just trying to promote Elias's band thing, and you know, the, I, I liked it. It was a good way of you know getting away from just getting away from the boring stuff instead of them just squaring up to each other. Like you got to use Jeff Hardy in different ways for me for him to be entertaining because he's just not a stand up mic worker. But yeah, I. You know, I, there was a lot of really good mid-card stuff spliced through this show that I really enjoyed. Um, I actually thought Kofi Kingston versus Sheamus was fantastic, really physical. Um, Kofi Kingston, you just... Uh, do you know what? You forget both these guys, but particularly Kofi Kingston. You forget how good they actually are as wrestlers. Like, they can go and they can perform. You know, I saw, I saw somebody refer to Sheamus as some shitty 42-year-old with a bad neck, and I thought, fuck you. Like, the shape this man's in power and he's still great on the mic as well like maybe that's because you know i have irish family and whatever but like you know i i really appreciate the crack you know i think he's really funny he's very entertaining he's really good at being this insincere prick you know i like the way he's do you know what i like about seamus he's proper old school heel you know, he's not interested in popping the audience. It would have been very easy during that really emotional farewell to the New Day as a, you know, a free man sort of unit on SmackDown. It would be very easy for him to come out and go, do you know what, all things aside, what an incredible rivalry we've had. No, he just comes out and he's like, oh, I'm glad you've stopped crying now, you fucking babies. I, you know, I like that. I like an old school heel. I feel like Sheamus is the kind of guy who should be in NWA right now tearing it up on power assaulting people becoming the champion just he, it feels like that's a better fit for him at this point but do you know what I, I think he still adds value and one of the draft picks they should have made they should have sent Cesaro to Raw and put the bar back together because you know the bar versus the New Day we've had a nice break from it so it would feel a bit more fresh again. You're always going to get top quality, exciting matches. It would reinvigorate Cesaro a lot because he'd at least be alongside someone with charisma as opposed to Captain Captain Naka, who has literally the personality of a Japanese walnut. They, you know, I feel like the bar really could be a thing again. And also it helps revigorate, you know, reinvigorate Sheamus a little bit as well, which is very, very important. So, you know, I mean, what else is... Seamus going to do he hasn't got a tag partner and uh, I've, I was terrified it was going to be like hey here's Baron Corbin but I'm not sure if he went to Smackdown or not um, but whatever you know it, it was a good match and people forget about things like that and they don't appreciate it enough I'll tell you what the one thing that didn't really slap with me was the women's tag stuff I thought that was very messy oh um, yeah that that was uh, yeah. that not was because, it's not because like, the, women the women are talented, talented. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Exactly, but the problem is that, like, first of all, so, okay, like, let's talk about Asuka and Lana for a second. It was short, but let's give Lana a bit of credit. I thought she looked really good in there. Obviously, surprise, Asuka gets the best match I've ever seen out of Lana. But 
you know what? Like, Lana attributed herself as best as you would expect in this match. She gave it a go. She looked athletic. She put her shit in as hard as she could. And ultimately, Asuka comes out looking fairly strong. It wasn't a complete job. I appreciated that match. I thought it was the right kind of match to have. They gave Lana an opportunity just for a brief moment to show that she actually is capable. And then ultimately, Asuka being the lethal empress that she is, shut her down. Then, of course, we go back to the greatest streak in wrestling since The Undertaker at WrestleMania, and that is Nia Jax putting Lana through a table for the fifth week in a row. Um, it's still is, past me. I don't care if that know, makes me a monster or not. It. It still popped me. <laughs> well, I mean, it makes Nia Jax a monster. I wouldn't say it makes you a monster, but, you know, it, I mean... It is funny to a certain extent, but I hope that they will eventually have some sort of payoff to it or something. I don't want it to be like 20 weeks down the line still getting stuff through at an out table. Like eventually, Lana's got to get something back, even if it is like, I don't know, like, you know, the, the smarks are in force. They believe that Lana's just being punished for who she is, and I understand that too. But, I mean, they're doing what they can with Lana. She's not, you know, the most credible wrestler in the world. She's obviously not a huge threat to any of the wrestlers on the roster. So I actually think uh, Lana has put in a decent shift here. Um, but then it kind of breaks straight into tag team warfare. You know, Shayna Baszler and Ajax, good mic workers, I think. I think they got really good anti-chemistry, if you know what I mean. They're really funny when they're just being obnoxious towards each other. And they do remind me of that Chris Benoit, Kurt Angle, heel tag team that won the tag titles on SmackDown during the Super 6 era. And... You know, they basically say, you know, who's got the fucking balls to step up to us saying that we're not a team. So what comes out? Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose. Not really a team, although I have named them Flex Appeal, um, which, by the way, I got in there nice and early. Then they asked for a name of the team a few days later. And I noticed a few people said Flex Appeal and everyone was like, that's an amazing name. And I thought, wait, I fucking came up with that first. I even mentioned it on this podcast. Fuck you. Um, so they come out. Then Lacey Evans and Peyton Royce. What, what the fuck is that? Like, I like both women. I mean, I very, very much like Peyton Royce in many, many ways. Like, Peyton Royce is definitely a bit of me in every sense. And even I was just like, yeah, this is a bit bit trashy. And also, it's, it's two more singles people because they haven't got any fucking tag teams. Stupid. Then, you know, the Riot Squad comes out, who are the only legitimate tag team out of the four of them. Um, Brawl ensues, big old schmoz, you know, wrestling of sorts some very botchy looking dives everything just felt very meh very meh and it was really disappointing because i know that a lot of these women are capable but it just felt like right we've got a load of women on site let's just throw them out there you know everyone get out there and have a big old brawl and schmoz and Lacey evans almost broke her own fucking neck trying to do that moonsault off the bloody oh, apron I, I, was, I was gonna point that out like i, I don't like to shit on people for that because mm. that's they're infinitely more athletic yeah i could do that if, if i wanted to but i mean like c- come on like that you could she could have seriously hurt herself do you know what? Can we give credit, actually, to Nia Jax, right? Because all we ever do is shit on her, don't we? Oh, Nia Jax injures people. Oh, Nia Jax this, Nia Jax that. But actually, if you go back and watch all the diving sequences and that, Nia Jax played the perfect... And I know people will say, well, she should do because she's massive. But you know what? Like, one of the first things I was taught when I started training was because you're a big guy, expect to catch people a lot, you know, and try and be a good base for people when they dive in you and stuff like that. Nia Jax actually protected um, Lacey Evans really well there and got underneath her and caught her quite well. 
because it could have ended up pretty badly because she fell quite short. And Nia Jax was there for everybody's dives and did a really admirable job of making sure that she played, you know, the strong kind of foundation for that. So it's only a little thing but for me it's I always appreciate it it's a little bit of professionalism and it goes a long way in the business because Lord knows there isn't that much professionalism particularly when Matt Riddle insists on being on my screen Uh, Matt Riddle regardless of whether you believe him to be a predator or not and I certainly well I have opinions but obviously I don't want litigation Uh, I particularly don't want to be hit by a fake lawyer on Twitter that's for sure I just don't care about Matt Riddle and haven't. And I'd like to think I've been consistent about that point. If anyone listens to this podcast ever since he became a thing, you know, there was no doubting Matt Riddle, the wrestler as an athlete, but as a character, he's fucking terrible. He's boring. He's embarrassing on the microphone. He's awful. You know, bro is fucking is fuck off. Who's his bro anymore? Yo, bro. Hey, bro. Something you say when you're absolutely blitzed out of your mind massively overrated as i've always said uh, as a character and in wwe especially on the indies of course he was great because on the indies you don't have to be a sports entertainer you have to be an athlete you have to be a wrestler you have to be a worker and that's something riddle does well um but hey he still had a fantastic match of aj styles because it's fucking aj styles and aj styles seems to have acquired himself a reasonably large gentleman in tow um the fucking size of that geezer. You know, I thought he looked big when he was on screen as the bouncer for Raw Underground, but my fucking God, he's huge. Like, huge, huge. Like, massive, huge. He's like... I, I think it's just, it's even worse because AJ is such a tiny yeah. guy. Because yeah, like, I've, I've met AJ Styles. I, I'm... Six, seven, I can see the... The picture I have with him, I'm a I'm the same height as AJ Styles. I'm about five nine, five ten. Ha! And oh, and this guy that's next to him is like seven feet tall. Mm. He's a fucking monster. Yeah, he's he's a specimen like no other. Um, you know, uh, my good friend Smiley. I saw her tweeting saying, "Oh, I wish they'd let him wrestle." Um, I I like the idea of waiting on that. You know, play it slow. I know that obviously you want, you know, black athletes to do well, of course. Of course you do, and rightfully so. But, you know, it's take it easy, man. Like, you know, he's this is his debut as something other than a bouncer guy. You know, give him an opportunity. And I love the fact that Matt Riddle took one look at him and shit his pants and ran in the ring. And I like that because normally it's like, I'm a heel, I'm plucky, I'm going to at least try and beat this guy up. And instead he was like, do you know what? No, <laughs> I don't want none of this. And during that, you know, as much as I hate, you know, Matt Riddle as an overall character, and I'm not particularly happy about seeing him on my screen all the while there is all these allegations floating around. The match itself was actually fucking good, and it proved, once again, AJ Styles, mate, he's gold. AJ Styles is still one of the best to ever do this. And in terms of making everyone around him look good, there aren't many people who can do it as well as AJ Styles. He elevates everybody he gets in the ring with. And he also cut a fantastic promo as well. So AJ Styles, already exciting with this monster beside him as well. You know, you wonder how far it's going to go. Obviously, they're going to turn the guy loose, you know, probably eventually. 
Um, but one of the highlights of this whole segment actually was the referee begging him to get out of the ring because he please was kind of do whatever you want pants. after the match, please. <laughs> just trying to do my job. I know he was just oh, like was I was like you fucking tall, and the referee was even smaller, which made it look so funny. It looked like a child begging his gigantic father not to beat him to death with a belt for stealing a cookie. It was so much fun. Um, yeah, it was good stuff. It was really good stuff. Uh, what do you think of uh, Keith Lee versus Braun Strowman in the battle of the beasts, so to speak? Because Braun Strowman kind of got buried a little bit, didn't he, on SmackDown? Like they made him out to be this huge monster. He then gets leveled by Roman Reigns, albeit with a low blow as well, which kind of participated towards it. Then he's battered with a steel chair, and Keith Lee himself actually tried to take advantage of that as well, didn't he, by attacking those ribs and you know the, the damaged midsection of Braun Strowman. But obviously, this is something that's going to continue. This King Kong versus Godzilla esque mentality. And do I detect a slight heel mentality from Keith Lee at the end of this? Um, I mean, first of all, I would just like to see a Keith Lee match end uh, decisively. Yeah, fucking because hell. I'm pretty sure the only one that really has was his match with Randy Orton. And, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, payback. Yeah, and I think yeah. he beat Andrade last week as well. Like, he's had, like, you know, 10 or 12 matches on the main roster, and they've all ended screwy. That's really annoying. However, I still enjoyed this match. It was just, you know, classic two meaty hosses beating the shit out of each other. But I wouldn't necessarily call uh, Keith Lee's antics heelish, because, to be fair, Braun headbutted him in the dick first. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I know that, and like, I get, I understand that, but at the same time... Maybe I'm a stickler for the old school in that regard, but I still feel like you are a big face. And I like the rage, but you can unleash the rage without kicking him square in the dick. That's my sort of thing. I mean, that's fair. Plus, maybe, I, got, maybe a, he's I just... got a smell of heel. Did you not feel like watching that and think, do you know what? Even if this guy isn't necessarily turning heel right now, this could be quite a saucy little fucking number. Because Keith Lee... You know, when he gets that bass in his voice, when he gets real angry, he becomes far more terrifying and far more legit as a monster. And then I realized, actually, if you do choose to, you know, let him loose and turn him here at some point, he's going to look very fucking dangerous going forward. So, but like you say, it's they don't really know what they're doing with Keith Lee at the moment. All they know is they've got a really cool asset, but they're trying to work out a place for him. Yeah, I just, I need them to figure that out. Sooner rather than later, because like he was so hot in NXT, his call up was I think his call up was still really, really well done. Mm. And then they've kind of shit the bed with him thus far. But oh, I'll try and have faith. I'll try and believe that Keith himself can pull him out of this hellhole because he is such a talented guy. And from all accounts from what you've told me that from the times you've met him, he's you know an incredibly nice oh, guy, lovely. deserves the yeah. world. So nice, so he's just a big teddy bear. Let's, let's uh, let's hope people realize that and then realize he could also mean mug you in the center of the ring and you'll shit your pants and die. He's the only wrestler who I haven't referred to by his normal name, I called him Mr. Lee, <laughs> which is um quite a rarity, which was really funny because like the way I said it, I thought I was going to do it in a faux Chinese, oh, Mr. Lee. <laughs> that's just kind of like oops sorry like, but no I just I remember going up and like, oh excuse me Mr. Lee and he's like he just lifted his head slowly and just went what's up man <laughs> I was like hello <laughs> please don't kill me although rather amusingly I do have about three or four inches on him in height in height 
just before anyone starts getting uh, carried away, because, you know, I assume he has got a monstrous unit. Um, anyway, um, yeah, no, I, I thought it was really amusing. I was actually taller than him. But in terms of girth, even I was uh, beating all ends up. And by girth, I mean body, not penis. A lot of penis references going on here. Keith Lee's got a massive dong, is basically what I'm trying to say. Like, I don't have to see it to know it. Like, just look at him. Just look at the size of him. Um, what else happened on Raw? Oh, yeah, uh, Drew unlocked the... Uh, hell in a cell and then closed the door and then Raw went off the air which I actually liked because it was kind of like a cliffhanger of <gasps> what happened you know and maybe they'll release like some exclusive on the internet or the network or something which would be quite cool or maybe Raw Talk actually it'd be really funny actually because I haven't watched Raw Talk yet it'd be really amusing if on Raw Talk <laughs> R-Truth and Charlie Caruso were just sitting there talking while those two are kicking the shit out of each other in the background inside Hell in the Cell and every now and then all you can hear is I've got to kick your fucking ass you bastard <laughs> just fucking stamping on him um, but you know these boys have been building this rivalry really well and it's gone from being a kind of mid-level pay-per-view rivalry to all of a sudden becoming one of the rivalries of the year and probably I think it's fair to say this is the most prominent WWE title rivalry this year isn't it by some margin oh absolutely I mean I, I was I was honestly hoping that it would this would have been over by now like mm. it's been going forever but you know what we've said it a hundred times it ends this Randy. Sunday It'll end this on the yeah. Randy's the on the run right. of his career. And I mean, if he doesn't win on Sunday, I, mm. I think that should be it. And we can send someone else after Drew. I don't know who because I'm not really sure who could do it right now. But just I would like something different. Yeah, I mean, at the same time, when I look at what's going on at Raw, because obviously this is the first Raw since the draft shakeup, who else really is a massive contender or good enough to go into a long-term rivalry with Drew McIntyre if he happens to come out of Hell in a Cell? You know, like I think they've done the best they could. They gave Dolph an opportunity, and then he got, you know, ultimately flattened. Um, yeah, they kind of teased Andrade for a little bit, and then they just they they've gone all over the place with the whole Selena Vega rivalry, which is a shame. And then they put her on SmackDown now as well. So, you know, no longer will we have the uh, Andrade Selena Vega connection. And obviously, uh, Andrade put a really sweet tribute up to her on social media, which I thought was lovely. You know, because she was so important to the growth of his career and. I do. I am a little bit nervous about Andrade as well without him, uh, without Selena Vega. See how well he does. So, you know, hopefully they'll be smart enough to put somebody else with him because there must be somebody else who's got the potential to do that. Um, but yeah, like I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, although it is one of these things that's gone, it shows, doesn't it? Back in the day, we pined over these long-term rivalries like Rock, Triple H and stuff like that. But I think wrestling fans as a whole have grown impatient with the idea of long-term rivalries. And look no further than, you know, WWE's competitor in AEW who seem to just chop and change title opportunities just like that. WWE with Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre have tried to set down a, a kind of balance. They tried to set down a market here and say, right, this is going to be a long-term rivalry. Um, you know, Orton just keeps snapping back and going, I want another title opportunity. I'm not going to leave you alone until, you know, and I kind of like the fact it has led to Hell in a Cell. It feels like Hell in a Cell should close this out. And so that in that way, I'm kind of excited about it. If anything, I wish uh, Roman Reigns and Jey Uso had had this long to build up their rivalry. 
because that would have been fucking fantastic. I mean, it's still wonderful. Don't get me wrong. I thought their stuff on SmackDown was incredible, but I would have liked to have seen them have just more time to really get into the meat of things. Because for me, the Hell in a Cell should be the pinnacle of any rivalry. I remember Undertaker and Shawn Michaels building into that and just the fact that you just could not separate them. Now, it's just kind of a gimmick that's thrown in there to sort of, you know, say, oh, well, it is what it is. So... You know, I, I think they've built it well. I think there's been plenty of great content. I think the mic work has been phenomenal. I think Randy Orton is, like you say, I, I'm in full agreement with you. Orton is really in a golden period, isn't he, for his career right now. His mic work this year has been amazing. I think the return of Edge motivated him beyond belief. And it's very clear that when you put him with the right people, he's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Because... You know, before Edge returned, yeah, Orton was kind of swanning around, doing his thing, you know, turning up here and there, not really looking that committed. Even Roman Reigns came out in an interview recently and said, I've never seen Randy Orton look this motivated. And that's coming from Roman Reigns. So, you know, credit to Randy Orton. It must be difficult when you've been doing this for as long as he has. And you have done pretty much everything. I mean, was he like 13 title reigns he's had? Like, you know, yeah. What else is there left to do if you're Randy Orton? So, ironically enough, this rivalry is built on the fact that Drew McIntyre believes that he hasn't earned the right to be a legend, or that you know he's you know he's been afforded way too many opportunities. But ironically enough, in this rivalry, this feels like Orton is giving back and he's helping elevate Drew McIntyre's status as WWE champion. Instead of just taking the belt off of him and everyone remembering Drew McIntyre as an afterthought, you know, like Jinder Mahal or AJ Styles or Kofi Kingston as WWE champion, which, you know, were all amazing for different reasons. But ultimately, we're probably going to forget about that because they've had one sort of half decent title run and then just, you know, gone all of a sudden. Um, This feels like it's building up a fair amount of credibility for Drew. And I've enjoyed it. And it's been lovely to see that Drew has been given the ball and being told, you know what, you're pretty much at the head of the company, along with Roman, see what you can do. So, you know, Drew McIntyre will always be able to say that, you know, I was WWE champion, I reached the pinnacle after all these years, and I was able to have an incredible rivalry with one of the greater legends that this company has ever produced. So, you know, happy days. Um, Anything you want to add, mate, before we wrap it up? Uh, Just, you know, thinking forward to Survivor Series. Survivor Series. I think I would be very aroused at the concept of uh, Roman Reigns and uh, Drew McIntyre again. I know they did a lot of that before, but, you know, I think it would be uh, very interesting now. You know, the the face-heel dynamic could be switched up. Um, Roman's doing, you know, incredible work right now. I, th- I think these two could have a hell of a match at uh, Survivor Series, assuming it's always, you know, brand warfare. The one time a year when Raw and SmackDown are in direct competition, except for every other day of the fucking week. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely fair. Before we wrap it up, um, you may remember this beautiful soul, Smiley Babby Boo, who now goes by the Twitter name of uh, Sumori Shinigami. Uh, I don't know if that's an anime thing or if that's just like a, a, a I don't know, an analogy, a 
whatever. I've got no idea, but it's a cool name. I like it. And she sent in her thoughts on Raw, which I'm really excited to read now because she used to send some fantastic essays and she has here. And you know what? I want you to keep doing it because interactions thrill me and especially when they come from someone like Smiley. I may not always agree with her opinions, but I love the fire and I love the passion and that's the most important thing for me. Uh, Number one, I am really liking Alexa underneath this trance-like state. It's brilliant. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. We're in full agreement there. Um, Why do you make Retribution this huge group and then have them lose like this? Bullshit. I mean, yeah, it's it's not a case of me disagreeing. Like, I probably don't have as much of an issue with it as other people, but it does seem very strange that you would make them so threatening and terrifying and then they lose their second match so feel free to jump in by the way mr wilkinson you don't you know you are allowed to uh, have your say on these uh, opinions as well don't feel like you have to sit there quietly and you know reflect over your brand new nickname of the maple leaf master or whatever it is magician wasn't it magician that's it maple leaf magician it was magician it was yeah he's he's very magical uh number three uh, she's numbered all her opinions by the way i love the way you send your opinions they're so organized and punctual i'm kind of aroused by this uh oh look which is a terrible turn of phrase when i've just seen what you've just said uh oh look the sexual predator has a match yeah i turn the channel don't blame you whatsoever as a woman um especially and obviously everybody knows um who knows me personally knows that i've had a lot of problems with you know sexual and domestic abuse when i was younger um you know being a victim of it i thoroughly appreciate that particularly for women in a society where it is very fucking obvious that they are not treated as equals when it comes to that kind of activity i wouldn't want to watch a match involving matt riddle whether it was allegations or not so i thoroughly understand that um that Lana match should not have lasted less than a minute. She shouldn't be getting a huge push, but I'm going to keep my match shut. That's fine. Like, I don't think she's getting a huge push, other than if you mean no, a huge I, push for the announce table. I think this was an experiment. Hmm. Yeah, they, they wanted they were to just see what they could testing do. the waters. Yeah, they and don't They don't know who they've got lined up for Asuka, do they? You can tell that. So this was kind of like a stopgap for her. Yeah, I mean, that's all right. Oscar can have good matches with anyone. At this point, it's just making sure people are built up correctly so it's not, you know, a foregone conclusion that they're going to lose, kind of like tonight was. I um, I knew she was going to make a comment about this. Empty the women's locker room of all white women. That's all this match was. Yeah, that's fair, actually. Although, I'm trying to wrap my... Okay, so let me let me wrap my brains. Let's take a pause here. Um. Well, are there any black women available? Because I know, I believe Naomi's injured, right? On Raw, which is why she's not on Raw yet, even though she's been drafted there. I believe she's injured, which is fine. So I understand that. Uh, Bianca Belair got traded to, I want to say, SmackDown? Uh, yes, I do believe she's on SmackDown now. W- well, along with Sasha Banks, who's another woman. So who have we got that's like a woman of colour? To be fair, like I know when you say empty, I'm sure you're not referring to Nia Jax because obviously I believe she is a woman of colour. Um, like you know, I'm trying to think who, um, as a woman to, of colour could have been involved to, in this. To Tamina, to I guess. Is, yeah. I assume she was undrafted. A little bit surprised because... that Tamina with Nia Jax long term actually, but then again, I'm not really going to cry that much about the fact that Tamina isn't yeah. on my fucking screen. Yeah, because, they, they did that. Uh... Like when the women's tag titles were first introduced, like she was Nia Jax's partner in that Elimination Chamber match. Yeah, but yeah. I think that's pretty much it. 
Yeah, I, I, I must admit, you know, excuse my ignorance. I'm sure Smiley will be able to contact me and let me know um, who could have been involved in this. I'm just trying to think, like, you know, I don't think this is necessarily a race thing. Like, you know, not from my perspective, you know, obviously I'm, you know, Smiley is African-American. I'm just mixed race. So, you know, I, I secede to your superior race, <laughs> so to speak. But, um at the same time, I'm trying to wrap my brains and I can't think of any women of colour who could have been involved in this. So, you know, on the plus side, it had a bit of an international flair, I suppose, because Peyton Royce was out there. Where's Nikki Cross? Is she on SmackDown? No, I'm pretty sure she got drafted to Raw. In fact, she was on Raw Talk tonight. I just... Oh. I, Interesting. Maybe, okay. hopefully, to talk about, uh, you know, how Alexa Bliss is going insanely hot. I'm sorry, I mean crazy. Um, yeah, yeah, crazy because crazy ain't hot. AJ Lee, god damn. Sorry, um, just just a point. Um, I like I like my women crazy as shit. <laughs> I'm never going to complain about that. But yeah, no, I you know I, I get you. I get your point. And um, you know, what is there to say? If there was one segment that really did not slap with me, like I say, it was this segment. I thought it was pretty poor. Uh, Elias is everything. I am waiting for his album with bated breath. I saw you refer to him as Daddy Elias, so clearly Smiley's got it bad for Mr. Elias. What did you think of Elias and his little band segment? Do, do you, would you refer to Elias as Daddy if he had the opportunity? Um, no, I, I don't I don't believe I would. I mean, it's cool to see him back. Uh, I remember, you know, he used to be real over at one point, you know. The walk with Elias thing was massive. He's still trying it now. It's just not that successful. You know, he's been gone a long time. I just think people don't really care anymore. But, I mean, it's cool enough, I guess. Mm. Yeah, I mean, get, having an album come out is actually pretty fucking cool. So, you know, I mean, I might not buy it, but I'll find a way to listen to it. You know, YouTube or Spotify or something. I'll give it a shot. But, mm. I mean, I'm not going, yes, Daddy, play me more music, Daddy. Okay, I really hope she doesn't say it like that, but um, <laughs> like some weird Eastern European girl. But yeah, no, I, it is what it is. Like I don't, I, I've never hated um, Elias. I just think that there's a low ceiling for that gimmick. But there's no questioning that he's got a great deal of talent. And he's got a great look as well. So you know, I'm curious to see what they can do with him going forward. And obviously, working with Jeff Hardy is always going to help him out. So you know whatever it's Elias like you know I'm quite indifferent to seeing him uh, seeing Big E on the Thunderdome audience gave me all the feels that was fucking cool that was really cool um, I don't know if you saw Smackdown last week as well like when Daniel Bryan was in the ring and Brie and uh, little Birdie were on the screen as well just like yeah these little... I've, I've so that, that is pretty cool they're actually using the Thunderdome mm. to like further stories and stuff that yeah, I, I think, think that's, that's genius. Really cool. You know, Keith Lee was watching Braun, wasn't he, in the main event during SmackDown as well, and had Goldberg on the screen as well, which is alarming because I do not want Goldberg versus Roman Reigns again. Fuck you! I could just see, I could just see like Jey Uso, Roman Reigns having a five star hand in the cell, and then Goldberg just attacking the cell, spearing the cell itself because he doesn't know what what's what anymore. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was lovely, and it's nice to know that they kind of almost clarified it as well. They were like, do you know what? This isn't the end of the new day. It just means that we're spreading our seed around. <laughs> um, thank you for that. I'm spreading your seed on me, you disgraceful knackers. Um, yes, Alexa, bring about the Freddy Krueger gear. She is finally in the Firefly Funhouse. That was fucking cool, wasn't it? I mean, I think my Amazon Echo has plenty to say on that as well, because it just we, we lit didn't even mention, it, I don't know. We didn't even mention the fact that she, yeah, she debuted in the actual Firefly Funhouse, like actually dressed up 
looked pretty much like Harley Quinn. So it was incredibly attractive. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, she bring bringing back that Freddy Krueger vibes. I'm, I'm, yeah. No, it's 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 hot and it's good as well. It's actually good. It's not just me being thirsty because you know, love me some Alexa Bliss, although not nearly as much as I like Naomi. So excited to see that lovely lady back. Please don't kill me, Jimmy Uso, because <laughs> I love you too. I love the Usos. They're amazing. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's great. It's fresh, isn't it? And it's exciting, and it's something totally different. And I'm. All for it, I really am. Still don't know who that luchador was, but he destroyed Miz, and I'm happy. That's a lie. That's an absolute lie. I saw it on your Twitter. You tried to... How dare you try to insinuate that Otis would jump brands just to dress as a luchador? This is unacceptable behavior. Love you. Uh, I'm over John Morrison. Sorry. What did I say earlier? Feels like an afterthought. And that's a shame, because he's so good. He is. Do you know what, though? He is very... I like John Morrison, right? He's an amazing worker. Clearly looks a million dollars. But there's something that, that feels very... Uh, maybe Smiley might agree with me. He feels very vanilla. You know? He's... Is that, is that know, just because he's white? Whoa, 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 whoa. Well, <laughs> sort of. Although he's got enough spray tan on to be classified as a tangerine. I don't know what you're on about. But he... Uh, oh, Donald Trump. Sorry, Donald. Sorry, John. Sorry, both of you. Actually, no, no, I'm not sorry. Fuck you, Donald. You fat preview best and orange cunt. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Sorry, everyone. Um, we're not about politics here, but fuck you, Donald. Um, yeah, no, I just, I do. I think he's very vanilla. I think he's very bland. You know, he's, he's, he's one of these guys that, do you know what? He would have really benefited from having his wife join WWE as well. I think they would have been great as a couple, a power couple kind of, kind of gimmick. You know, how cool would it have been to see Zelina and Andrade versus Ty Valkyrie and, John Morrison. That would have been a nice little rivalry to boot, but Ooh, that, yeah. But then we would have got Taya in Wrestle House. So that's we true. Have to, we have to live with that. Amazing. Like, we I would have to live with that. We need to spend more <laughs> yeah. time talking about impact. Yeah, true. it's uh, for this point. But I, I'm kind of in agreement with you. Right now, I'm over John Morrison as well. A bit boring. So Braun gets to be on TV after going to Bike Toberfest, masterless, and with crowds of people. Fuck out of here with that bullshit. I haven't personally seen this. Have you seen this? Apparently, he went to Bike um, Bike Toberfest. State of that fucking name in the first place. You'd expect it, to see Braun's driving than that, wouldn't you? Is that like a motorbike thing? Yeah, like apparently, you know, like that. Um, I don't think it's the same one, but you know, Chris Jericho played for Fozzie in front of that big audience, didn't he? Like 200,000 yeah. people at a big old biker festival. I think it was something similar to this. And apparently, Braun okay. was seen without wearing a mask. So, which is, you know, his choice, but is what it is, I, I guess. I mean, I suppose it, if you've it is his choice it, on the one hand, I don't mind, but it on depends. the other hand, it's not. <laughs> I love the way you said that. It's his choice, but it's not. Well, the thing is, I assume he's been tested when he comes back. And so if he's been tested and it's negative, fine. But at the same time, I understand from a from your perspective, seeing him out there, you know, not wearing a mask, being surrounded by people, not socially distancing, as I assume that's the case, would probably upset quite a few people although to be fair um smiley's probably the only person i've seen really notice it on social media that being said i'm not scouring social media looking for you know people who are gonna pull braun Strowman up on the fact he wasn't wearing a mask but i um that braun Strowman's another guy especially after what happened on smackdown i'm like meh whatever I've been on that man, whatever Braun Strowman trade for like know, a right? year. Yeah, you're like proper anti Braun. And finally, topping things off, we back, we back to kicking people in the nuts. Dear God, didn't you get enough of AJ and Shinsuke? Um, I mean, Shinsuke apparently didn't. <laughs> I mean, he was going for these nuts every single week, 
But I mean, I guess it's okay with the storyline. To be fair, Roman Reigns has got this new thing where he's uppercutting everybody in the knackers when he kicks out. So I mean, it's clever, but how long until it gets boring because it's overused? Because you know, classic WWE. We found something that works quick. Do it every five minutes. I think it's such a classic WWE thing. But eh, I don't mind as long as it's not going to be a regular thing. If we start getting every week uh, Braun Strowman and Keith Lee finding incredibly unique ways to hit each other in the bollocks, then obviously I'm going to be a bit annoyed, and I don't want Keith Lee settling into a long-term rivalry with Braun Strowman just because they haven't got anything else to do with him because then I wonder why they even bothered calling him up in the first place you know take it slow but I appreciate that oh she also has on the end also adding Lacey Evans is trash leave her alone (laughs) she's okay I get it she's white she's blonde she's very archetypal and stereotypal um but stereotypical excuse me but she's all right the problem with Lacey Evans is that they don't fucking use her the right way. Like when she's actually out there putting in work and having a half decent match, she's okay. You know, is she the best women's wrestler? Not by a long shot, obviously, but you know, she's, she's okay. I don't think she's horrible. I, I find her a lot less offensive. I do say to Mina, who is bloody awful. Kyle has zero opinions on this. I'm assuming his controller died. Um, even at, no, I even just at, died. It, was, it was still muted. I was making, but uh, I was just saying maybe people have a real problem with Lacey Evans because they pushed her so hard in that rivalry with Becky. Bucky. It was you know with fucking Baron Corbin and Seth, and then you know <laughs> Becky and uh, Becky and Lacey. I think people just have a really bad taste in their mouth from that so they just don't like her ever even which though. is a shame because I actually yeah. thought Lacey Evans stepped up and did really well in that rivalry and I'm not a huge fan of Becky Lynch anyway which obviously upsets so many people but I just like I, I honestly thought Lacey Evans was fine in that rivalry her gimmick obviously is you know very cheap in some ways because it is basically oh look at me I'm a blonde woman oh I'm fancy <laughs> it's like you know, but that's the idea, isn't it? If she's a heel, you're supposed to hate someone like that. That would piss me off too. I'd be like, ugh, no thank you. So, you know, in a way, it's good for heel heat. So maybe the fact that you think she's trash, probably, you know, even if she is actually trash, it works well to the gimmick. But nonetheless, morning, thank you very much for checking it. It was lovely. Um, send more interactions in, baby. Honestly, whatever you like, just whatever. Smackdown, whatever you watch, just send them in. It's lovely to hear what you have to say. Uh, it really is, and it's lovely to talk to you, just in general. So, I really appreciate that. So, And also, everyone check out at SmileyBabyBoo on the Twitter, because she's definitely worth a follow. If you want fiery opinions that don't compromise personality, which I respect, because that's what we're all about, then check that out. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Anything uh, you want to say before we wrap things up, Mr. Wilkinson? Well, you know, Hell in a Cell is this Sunday, so... Uh, yeah, we'll be reviewing yeah, we'll, that. Previewing yeah, we'll probably that, give it, give it, well, give we'll it a nice watch-along. Yeah, we'll, um, we'll be watching it along. We'll be doing our predictions and preview for it. Uh, I just saw Sasha Banks on my screen because the Mandalorian 2 trailer is up, and she's quite prominent in it, so that should be quite exciting. Sure, well. I, I'm pretty sure she's a Jedi. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure she's a Jedi. She can be whatever she wants to be, because she's fucking incredible. And True. beautiful. Oh, by the way, did you True see Banks on SmackDown? I bet you lost your shit with first when she came out wearing that bodysuit. Shut, shut up. <laughs> Stop embarrassing me. Gosh. Shut up. God damn it. My erection hasn't gone yet. <laughs> oh, dear. You're as bad as everybody else. The first. What's Sikara Shida going to think when she finds out you're cheating on her? 
I mean, she'll never know. Yikes. Okay. Wait. Wow. <laughs> the moral compass has changed the wrestle blog, I can tell you that much. I'm a terrible person. Yeah, I'll, so I'll, I'll have to tell her. Maybe she'll be okay with it. Maybe, you know, there's some sort of deep-seated issues that neither of them knew they had. You're hoping she's going to be like Pam when she's harassing Cyril and Archer and she goes, can I watch? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Is that weird? Know. It's a little weird. Is it? You never know until you ask. <laughs> exactly. If you don't ask, you don't <laughs> get, mate. You know. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, if you're expecting a moral compass from the podcast, then you are in the wrong neighborhood. We have never had a moral compass and we don't plan on having one anytime soon. We're here to entertain, at least for the short term. And obviously that brings me to my final topic. Uh, episode 500, of course, is looming. We're getting closer and closer towards it. Um, I've made an executive decision as the owner and, of course, lead proprietor of said podcast. Um, but finances are very difficult. Uh, COVID-19 has made things incredibly difficult, particularly this month. Uh, you know, my car insurance is due. I don't want to give you a sob story. Basically, a lot of bills are due. I can't afford them. I'm looking down the back end of a real struggle financially to just keep my home and, you know, keep going as opposed to, you know, recording the podcast out of my car, which is not really something I want to do. Um, so I'm not going to beg for people's money. Obviously, I do have a PayPal, paypal.me slash harbingerpw. If anyone does donate any money towards me personally, I am more than happy to make sure that you get a piece of art in return uh, to cover that. But more importantly, I'd like to financially... You know, I I don't want to shut the podcast down at the same time financially, obviously, particularly where I can't find a job, even though I'm applying for so many. It's become incredibly difficult. And I would like to think that, you know, that would have to take precedent anyway. But obviously, if things don't improve financially, it will be very difficult for this podcast to keep going. So unless things improve by the time episode 500 rolls around 500 will be the last episode of WrestleBloke for the indefinite future. So, you know, a, a few people already messaged me and gone, oh, this is fucking tragic and this is heartbreaking and everything like that. Ultimately, that's very nice and I appreciate that. But the one way we can keep it going is by helping things out. Now, I'm not saying you have to donate your money, but we have two wrestling t-shirt websites, wrestleplug.bigcartel.com, Tees slash wrestleplug or prowrestlingtees.com slash wrestleplug excuse me um if you buy a t-shirt you know if you can share that link around ultimately you will have the opportunity to help save this podcast and keep it going keep entertaining you you know we've given you nearly 500 episodes i in particular have edited and controlled all of those the social media the interactions the interviews the reviews the show coverage the friends we've made now that's all pretty much off my own back and obviously i'm very thankful for everyone who's chipped in especially people like kyle obviously steve more so than pretty much anybody else um but at the same time you know people are it's all very well telling me that you know you're upset and you miss the podcast and you don't want it to go etc and i appreciate that and i don't want it to either at the same time you have an opportunity here to help wrestle plug out for once and give something back because you know it's free and it always will be free so it would be nice to think that a lot of people out there would give something back so ultimately those links are available you know send them to your friends even if you've got friends who maybe aren't into wrestling you know if you send them the t-shirt link they might look at one of the t-shirts and think do you know what i still like that t-shirt I'll buy it. And ultimately, if we can make a bit of money, I'm happy to keep WrestleBlood going. But for right now, with the difficulties and how bleak it really is, and honestly, I cannot stress how bleak it actually is. And I've just you know kept it quiet because I'm not one of these people who likes blasting my personal life all over social media. Um, it is quite bleak. It is quite difficult. And it's going to be very difficult for me to continue unless WrestleBlood, you know, kicks back in in some way. And you can help that 
And you can help that process out by kicking in a bit of cash, buying a T-shirt. You know, if you do, like I say, donate money towards me, I'm happy to give back. I don't want anyone to feel like they have to just give me money. This isn't a GoFundMe. We're not going to do that. I'm certainly not going to do that. But at the same time, you know, if you want it to keep going, if you want it to survive, you're going to have to chip in yourselves and give something back, even if it's even if it is something as simple as taking those links and sharing them. You know, retweets are great. I appreciate that. Facebook share posts are great as well. But it takes literally 30 seconds for you to copy and paste those links onto a WhatsApp message and send it to everyone in your address book or send it to everyone in your emails or tag your mates under one of the posts who maybe don't listen to the podcast who you think might want to follow, who might want to buy a T-shirt. And I've seen a few people already have done that. I really appreciate that. I love you very much. I saw Spiley trying to get people to help out. I think that's fucking amazing. And obviously, I'm incredibly thankful for that. So it's kind of like the ball is in your court, ladies and gentlemen. I don't want it to shut down, but at the same time with everything going on, not to mention, obviously, where I'm getting involved with Sly Fox Broadcasting with Jade Miller as well, you know, it makes WrestleBlog a difficult prospect going forward. I enjoy the podcast. I enjoy what is done. And even if it does have to stop at episode 500, you know, I'm very proud of everything that I have done and achieved with it. So, you know, it would be a shame, but at the same time, I would know that at least we gave you every last bit of what we had. So like I say, the links are out there. Please share them, send them to literally everybody, you know, particularly if you're in North America, because the pro wrestling tees one, it's actually really good value. It was $20 for the t-shirt. I think the, postage and packaging is you know the shipping is not that much if you're ordering it for the united states um or canada so you know it's it's one of those things but like i say balls in your court guys you know help us out because if you don't you know fair enough you don't have to but at the same time you know there's a very good chance that the podcast will cease to continue after episode 500 and then it will just be kind of like you know the odd social media little blitz or something and ideally if i was going to keep russell plug on i'd like to keep it on you know, fully. Um, but if we have to shut it down by episode 500, which is looking quite likely at the moment, then that'll be it really. And I probably won't bother. I'll leave the social media things there for people to check it out as a kind of historical site, you know, like an archaeological dig. But it's very likely that there will cease to be any more content, whether that be via social media or podcast. Yeah. The, and, uh, that's, you know, it's obviously devastating to hear guys do whatever you can. I haven't been working much lately either, so I haven't been able to help out, but I'm still going to do what I can because I love the show. I've made so, so many friends here that it's actually unreal. I talk to people on here more than I talk to my real life friends. So, I mean, you know, but like he says, we're, he's, he's not asking you to do anything that you don't want to do or that you aren't able to do, but I mean, if if you can, just you know, you know, get a T-shirt. You know, just spread the links around. Do do everything that you can do so we can keep going. Yeah, I mean, what people forget is that from a financial aspect, I actually fund all of the WrestlePlug. You know. I don't ask for anyone's money. The t-shirt sales have always been there. You know, we've had a big cartel up for God knows how long. You know, we've done nearly 500 podcasts, which is no mean feat. You know, there aren't many podcasts out there that have done 500 episodes. <laughs> Most people have called it a day by now. And you know what? A lot of people are always asking me to kick in, support them, help out with whatever it may be. And 
you know, I've always tried my best, but ultimately, you know, it costs money for me to maintain this, you know, whether that would be buying a microphone, setting up, you know, things, taking time out of my schedule, you know, it, it costs me a lot of personal time, staying up till ridiculous hours to watch the wrestling, to cover it, to entertain, you know, the loyal, the few, but the fantastic, the loyal to this podcast and listen to it. And I love them dearly for it. But like I say, it's very taxing, uh, mentally and financially. And... You know, it is one of those things where, at the very least, if we could keep it going, we'd have to strip it right back. And I don't really want to do that. I don't want the identity of it and everything else to just be cut short. So, like I say, you know, it's it's wrestleplug.bigcartel.com. It's prowrestlingtees.com slash wrestleplug. If you can't afford to buy a T-shirt, that's absolutely fine. I'm not expecting anyone in this climate to put themselves in financial difficulty for our sake. Because obviously, you know, so many people are having the same difficulties I am. I appreciate that. But ultimately, I've got to look out for myself, just like you guys have got to look out for your end as well. But at the same time, if you can't be bothered to retweet something, if you can't be bothered to share the links, you know, that kind of proves right there that you obviously don't give a shit about the podcast enough. And that's fine too. But, you know, if it's not here anymore, you can't really have a go at us. You can't really have a go at me specifically for bringing it down, you know? you've we've given so much to everybody who listens so the least we would like in return is just a little bit of appreciation and a little bit of kickback whether that be from social media or indeed from financial input so whatever you can afford to give please do if you can't afford to give that's that's absolutely fine too like i say you know i'll beat that horse till it's dead not asking you to give me money if you don't have it what i'm asking you to do is support the podcast simple as that you know because it takes a lot of effort and a lot of time to edit to release podcasts especially when you've done 471 of them so you know the ball is in your court ladies and gentlemen help out or lose out it's that kind of thing really a bit like to help out to buy out eat out or whatever it was thing fucking scheme and that didn't work out well either so fuck you boris but yeah it's a shit time for everyone i understand that and obviously while we're still going we're still here to entertain so Fingers crossed when 500 hits, we won't have to call it a day, but we'll see how that goes. So, you know what? Don't just turn it off. Don't just ignore it because it won't be here forever otherwise. Um, that'll be it from uh, myself and Carl Wilkinson. Thank you very much for listening. We'll catch you very soon for more nonsense on the rest of the plug.